And something else I wanted to touch on. This is kind of shifting away from some of the self-improvement stuff. I've been wondering about this idea of the golden age. So the golden age, I talked about it way back a few months ago. The golden age is, I'm not sure maybe someone else has come up with this, but listening to some of Scott Adams' periscopes or YouTube podcasts, whatever, he talked about the golden age, how we are kind of in this, and it, we're in this area or the stage of life on earth where really just about everybody has their physical needs met. And the biggest issues that we have, at least in the West, and when I say West, like America, Canada, Europe, um, and I'm sure there's some other places that fall into this category, that our biggest problems are psychological. And that this is actually, you know, a really good time. And there's a lot of peace right now. And some of Scott Adams' ideas, so those are some of his ideas. I'm sure he's gotten some of that from others. But another thinker is Steven Pinker. <laughs> and I have not read his book, but Enlightenment Now uh, is supposed to kind of dovetail with some of these things about, you know, maybe a decrease in violence, decrease in crime. And there's a lot of data out there showing, you know, reduction in poverty rates across the world, stuff like that. But as I was digging into the Twitter rants of, a um, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, he called out some of the stats that Pinker uses for violence and things like that and was calling some of these stats out for basically being weak or not having enough of a, um, or the methodology behind some of these statistics is not what people think and it doesn't show what people think they show. And that actually we may not be in any more of a peaceful time than in other times in the past. And this kind of skepticism of that data also kind of made me think about the skepticism of the golden age, or at least some implications. So I know other people out there are aware of the current uh, climate, the current uh, political climate, right? There's a lot of, there's a heavy, heavy push for political correctness People are getting fired because of tweets. People are getting deplatformed off of, you know, the big tech companies, mostly from the radical left. And there's a lot of outrage going on just everywhere, everywhere. And to be honest, when you're in person, when you're on the ground, everything seems pretty much okay. Like I go to things, you know, I go to these events, I go to Taekwondo tournaments, I go to the gym, I go to, you know, these socials on, on the weekends and I don't see this, this racial hatred, hatred, right? I don't see this, you know, crazy shit that everybody's talking about on Twitter, but on Twitter, things seem to be getting just so out of control. And people are actually losing their their livelihoods and getting, you know, kicked out of things because of Twitter and because of Twitter mobs and things like that. And I don't know. Um, it makes me I have a hard time now trying to think about, you know, what's going to happen in the future. Of course, nobody knows. 
right? There's just, there's too many things that can happen. Too many decisions can be made. But sometimes I do wonder if this long era of peace that we have had, maybe internally, is going to come to a head, right? I wonder, is there going to be some big violent clash? Like, I don't know. It's hard to say because I feel honestly like most people I run across in this city of Houston, which is one of the most diverse cities in the country, I feel like there's no problems between different people. I'm sure there are, but everyone gets along fine. But then on the internet, all you hear about is the the, the chaos and division. And I don't I don't know what to think about that. But it doesn't seem like we're in a healthy state. And maybe we are in the golden age of of uh, material wealth, but psychologically, it just seems like we're in a really unhealthy place. Um, maybe it's morally, ethically. There just seems to be a lot missing from people's lives. That's something that I see, right? And it's something that I myself am working on. It's it's something I think a lot of people struggle with, right? Is how to find purpose in your life. And it seems like a lot of people are driven towards the outrage, politics, in order to serve their purposes. So there's that. I also wonder about, you know, what happens, you know, if we have another economic collapse or with the whole thing between us and China. One thing that worries me about our conflict with China is, you know, I'm in support of having these some of these tough trades, these tough uh, trade negotiations. I'm very much in favor of it. Uh, but I do worry about the possibility of unforeseen outcomes or of unforeseen events that do precipitate, do precipitate some kind of big conflict. And I wonder because I feel like in this day and age, we all kind of believe that we're past war. It's something that Scott Adams says is, hey, listen, the big powers, we're not going to have any war. And I just wonder if that's really true or not. You know, I just, I have a feeling that the people that thought there's no way the major powers could have a conflict, I feel as though the same shit was thought of right before the last two major wars, World War One and World War Two. That there's no way we're going to have another big battle, big war. But I just, you know, now that I'm thinking about it more and more, I'm like, you know, we're in this very peaceful time for the United States. Yes, we've been in conflicts, but at home, we haven't had any major, like no one's rationing off food for the war effort. People aren't being drafted. It's not that kind of war. I'm thinking we haven't had anything big like that in a long time, right? And it just makes me a little bit on edge, uh, especially reading or listening to Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb, I'm starting to realize that really we are extremely fragile as a country, as a society. Our electronic systems are fragile. Our communication lines are fragile. You know, we all communicate on these phones that if something happens, there's nothing, right? If there was a some kind of power or internet outage, I mean, we're all fucked. So I just think that maybe we're closer to disaster 
than we'd like to admit. And I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or doomsday person because I'm not, but it makes me think maybe we should start trying to become a little more robust than we currently are. Anyway, those are just some thoughts that have been around my head. Um, I think that's about it for today. I hope everybody has a great week, and uh, peace. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of Moi. I know you love listening. Just kidding. I hope you love listening. Uh, I am going to talk a little bit about some things that I've been working on. So I mentioned a while back ago that I was working on some stuff for self-improvement, like taking cold showers. I provided a bit of a uh, update on my intermittent fasting. So let me tell you about the cold showers. Actually, it's more like hot and cold. Um, it's more like adapting to both hot and cold. So I have been taking cold showers basically exclusively now since about for about four months. And I think I've taken one hot shower since I started. And ever since then, like I've taken a couple contrast showers, which are where you do it hot and cold and you interchange in between. So to back up a little bit, the reason I started doing it was because of one, to increase you know mental toughness and resilience, and two, because there's supposed to be a lot of health benefits, such like there's supposed to be benefits regarding stress, supposedly it's good for your nervous system to experience the cold showers. So I'm not exactly sure of all the science behind it, but from what I saw, it's good for your immune system, it's good for cir- for blood circulation, it's good for, um, it's also supposedly good for your hair and your skin. Now, I'm not so concerned about those, though as somebody with thinning hair, that is something that is important as well. I mean, it's not majorly, but, you know, it is, it's noticeable at times. So, or should I say, you know, a bit of that receding thing going on. Um, So anything that helps with the hair obviously is good. And these cold showers, I can say at first when I started, I – one of the things I – and I don't know if it's because of that, but it could have been because of the Wim Hof breathing and the showers that I noticed that even when I got worked up, when I'd be working in a high-stress time, it just seemed like – It was uh, quicker for me to calm down. So that was honestly, that's what I noticed. And now, once again, life is very dynamic. So it's hard to know if that's because of the showers, right? But let's just say that I think it does help to undergo some mild to moderate stressors and to come out of that unscathed. That's part of the mental toughness aspect of it, um, as well, I think, as the some of the uh, circulatory benefits and some of the health benefits is that you're providing your body with a stressor, which is cold water. You don't want to be in cold water. Like naturally, you want to get out of it. And so, you know, voluntarily taking on the cold and it has, you know, the psychological effect of, oh, I'm putting myself in a situation I don't want to be in 
every day. And then the other part of it is, is that your body gets shocked with the cold water, produces, you know, reactions and things like that. So with me, I think I noticed that my stress response to issues was still heightened, you know, um, as in I tend to, when I've got a lot of shit going on, I tend to get pissed off pretty quick. So I still got pissed off quickly, but I noticed that I was able to chill out faster as well. So like I would have a spike and then I was good. And that in the past was not really a thing. And I'll give you an example. So I'll give you an example of the, what, how I think the showers worked. I was working with a contractor that was doing some work for us, and this guy who is in his 60s seemed fairly intelligent, You know, seemed fairly quick-witted, but he's actually a dumbass. <laughs> and uh, when I say he's a dumbass, it's because of uh, – he's one of these guys that just does not see any mistake he makes. So I'll just give you some information for somebody to do some work for us, you have to follow certain protocols and certain procedures, um, you know, as to be a vendor or a contractor to work with us. And he had just not gone through everything, which all of the guys that have worked with us have done. But this guy just didn't do it. So there was some delayments on him getting paid. And he just could not understand that it was his fault that things were delayed. And, you know, I, me and him got into this huge argument where I explained to him, like, okay, man, everything is going to be fine, but you didn't follow the procedures that we need in order to get this done. And as a result... You know, things are going to be behind a little bit because we can't, we're not just going to catch you up immediately. And the guy just could not understand it. He could not grasp the fact that because he was too lazy, this is something he had been, we had given him a lot of time to get some things taken care of, and he just didn't take care of them. And he just could not understand that it was his fault. So me and him are yelling at each other on the phone. I mean, we're just yelling at each other. And eventually I said, listen, this is it. I'm done, right? I, I've, you know, I've got to let you go. So I hang up the phone and I just noticed that I, I chilled out pretty quickly. In the past, when that kind of stuff goes down, I mean, I kind of let it stew. I kind of get pissed off about it for a while. You know, my stress level is heightened for a long time, but it seemed to kind of just roll off my back afterwards. Now, maybe that's not because of the cold showers, uh, but I do think that there is an element there that plays into it, which is, you know, when you're kind of forcing yourself to do something like that, I do think it's beneficial. And that is something that I thought I noticed pretty significantly. Now, I want to move on to the Wim Hof breathing update. I have not been doing that so much. I have been more conscious of deep breathing in general, and I do engage in deep breathing in the sauna because I do about 20 minutes of sauna a day. And 
I last time I did the Wim Hof breathing was at a big Taekwondo tournament, and I'll tell you what, I think it helps. I really do think it helps. I usually do it for high anxiety situations. So before getting into a tournament, before jumping into the ring, I think it can be really good. It can be really good for calming some of those nerves. So from my experience, I did it very continuously for a couple months, for I'd say about two, two and a half months, and I kind of chilled out on it for the last two months. Well, actually, that's not true. I still did it certain times after that tournament. So I would say probably for about three months I did it consistently. Also, those effects are more immediate. I mean, at when you go through the Wim Hof breathing, it's basically, I like to call it like an active meditation because I, I'm not one of those people that can just, or that I could, but I'm not one of those people that just sits down and meditates for like 15 minutes, you know, with silence. I do things actively, or that's what I like to do. So the Wim Hof breathing is really good for that because you could be driving, you could take a few minutes and just go through a couple of cycles. And for me, it really helped before a big, something big, whether it be dancing. I did it a couple times before uh, some of my salsa or bachata classes or socials. And I would do it before sometimes a, a big training or a tournament. And it did help. It helped clear my mind, helped calm some anxiety. And Maybe there's a placebo effect. I don't know, but if it works, it works, whether it's placebo or not. So that's what I have to say about that.